You know, it's been, um, it's been great having, having the sabbatical and having six weeks away, but I, I tell you, there's nothing like being back with family. And, um, you know, that's, you know, it was the case coming back from Tanzania to be with, with Rosie and the kids, but it's just as much the case coming back this morning to be with all of you. You know, to be able to, to walk with people through, through what they go through. Um, the good times and the hard times, there's nothing like being with, with family. People who know you and love you and, and care for you. You know, and there's been a whole bunch of, of stuff that, that God has been, been teaching me both personally and, and things that he's been putting on my heart for us together as a, as a church. But this morning, I want to just focus on one of the key lessons um, that I feel that God had been, been teaching me personally and that actually I think he has for all of us to get a hold of, of together. And to be honest, it's a really, really simple thing. But at the same time, I think it's also a massive thing. And so, so really, this morning, we're just going to begin the journey together of unpacking um, this, this kind of lesson. And we're going to keep coming back to it, really, over, over the summer um, as we talk and we share together. You know, if I think back to, to the beginning of my sabbatical, it might not have been exactly like you expected it to be. So I, I don't know what you're like, but you see, I'm wired in a way where I want my time to be productive. You know, so a normal week in, in life for me, as I'm sure it is for, for many of you, is busy. Um, I, but even when it isn't busy, I still feel a pressure to fill every moment. And I find it hard to stop. And you know, when I chat to other people, I often find that they feel the same. And when that's the case, we, we can find that we're, we're rushed off of our feet with working long hours and looking after the family and serving in church and doing DIY and all of the kind of house jobs that are there. And, and if, if that's not enough, then there's the pressure to fill every moment seeps into the rest of our lives as well. And so we want to make the most of our day off. Uh, and, and we want to make sure we're, we're doing things which are worthwhile, and so we're spending time on hobbies and family trips and, and, and gardening and whatever it is we fill our days off with. And then when we finally collapse, we're so used to keeping going that actually we don't know how to stop. And so we physically collapse, but we still keep filling every moment. And we fill it with entertainment and news and social media, looking at a book or a a TV or a phone or a tablet until finally exhausted, our head hits the pillow, knowing that in just a few hours' time we're going to have to go through it all again. You know, and there are times when we thrive in that busyness. There's times when we find life and energy in it. There's times when we, we, there's a joy and a satisfaction in being productive and in all the different things which are going on. But there are other times when we might simply feel crushed by the weight of responsibilities and demands that seem to press down on our shoulders. Can anyone relate to that kind of an experience? Now, so when it came to my sabbatical, I was determined to make the most of my time. I was determined that the time would be, wouldn't be wasted and that it would be productive. You know, I wanted to come back with great stories of these million things which, which you know, God had spoken about and, and all the rest of it. So in my first week, we, we traveled up to, to see my family, um, went up to see my parents near Leeds, and, and I set to with intentional family time. And then in the moments of space that I had, I made sure I was reading a teaching book so that I wasn't wasting a second. And then we came back home for a time of study break, and I, and I sat with my, my pile of books that I'd bought next to me. 
And I was driven and motivated that I'm going to get through this pile by the end of my sabbatical. And so I'd look at each book and, and I would attack it as quickly as possible. Driven that I, I didn't want to miss a thing. Didn't want to waste a moment. You know, and I'd originally planned to, to slow down at different points by, by going for walks and taking time out with God. But then I had a genius brainwave. You know, it's all about getting out in nature and having space for God to speak. And I know what I can do instead. I'll head out into the garden. There's all these jobs that need to be done. I can dig out the back corner of the garden and I'll be in nature. I'll be in creation and there'll be space and God can speak. But I'll be productive at the same time. And do you know what? It was good. Do you know, I, I was enjoying myself. I was enjoying the books. I was, in, I was learning things. I was noting things down. I was enjoying being productive and motivated. And there was, but there was something that was built in me that simply couldn't slow down and simply couldn't stop. And then it came time for the, the trip to Tanzania and I packed my bags. And to be honest, I took very little, but I had about half a dozen books in there with me. And um, while I was, I was waiting in the terminal at Heathrow Airport, I finished one book and I pulled out another called Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ by a lady called Jean Guyon, written over 300 years ago um, in France. And as I began to, to read, sat in the middle of Terminal 2 with all of the hustle and bustle around me, I felt God begin to stir my heart. And as I read the book, I found myself slowing down in the least likely of places. And God began to speak to me about what it means to, to rest in him. What it means to stop trying to be in control. What it means to stop striving, not only striving in life, but even striving in prayer. And to simply rest in him. And then in the middle of all of the activity around me, for the first time in a long time, I found myself beginning to rest. But then unexpected things happen in airports. And they're not usually particularly restful. In fact, unexpected things when you're traveling and waiting in airports usually leads to something fairly stressful. <laughs> so sometimes unexpected things happen. And they can be massively stressful, but then actually it turns out to be a gift. Um, and I can't say that I became a suspected international criminal... That would have been quite exciting, but no. But things didn't go quite according to plan. Um, I boarded the plane just fine at Heathrow. Uh, but while I got on the plane just fine, our takeoff time came and went, and we hadn't moved an inch. Then an announcement came from the pilot that there were technical difficulties that the ground crew were looking into. Um, and I only had one hour to make my connection in Istanbul. So I began watching the clock pretty closely. Time ticked by until finally an hour and a half later we took off. With no explanation of what would happen um, and what that would mean in Istanbul. I held on naively to this vague hope that maybe Turkish Airlines kind of uh, you know, reputation wasn't particularly great. So maybe that plane would be delayed too and I'd be alright and I'd get there and I'd make it. But I quickly discovered that I'd missed the plane in Istanbul. So I was stuck in Istanbul. No flight to Kilimanjaro to Tanzania for another 24 hours. No idea what would happen next. It was unexpected. It was potentially pretty stressful. But you know what? It ended up being a real gift. 
You know, Turkish Airlines transported me to a hotel and they put me up in the night for the night and they fed me. Um, and as I sat there with, with all of my well-made plans thrown out of the window, I felt God say to me, are you going to stop now? And you know what followed was possibly the most peaceful, restful and refreshing day of my entire sabbatical. I was stuck in a hotel in the middle of nowhere with building sites around it, with no Turkish lira so I couldn't leave. Nothing that I could do apart just from just stop. All of my stuff was on the plane. I just had my hand luggage. So all I could do is just stop and rest. You know, Emma mentioned financial stuff. Um, then found out amazingly. You know, Rosie had been a little worried in terms of, of finances and things. Um, but then found out amazingly that because of the delay, Turkish Airlines then um, it gave me compensation, which was about 150% of what the tickets were um, to be able to actually go. Um, and so it was just an amazing gift. Unplanned, unexpected, potentially stressful. And one of those times where you go, what on earth's going on? But it was a gift. In the midst of the busyness of life, as I desperately strive to be in control and be productive and make the most of every moment, finally everything broke down and I was forced to stop. I was forced to rest. It was an unexpected, unplanned for 24 hours, but God knew what he was doing. He decided he was going to take control. He was going to take action because I wasn't doing it. And he planned for a special day just to spend time with me. I wonder if maybe some of you can relate to where I was at with every moment of life being filled. Either filled with busyness and productivity or filled with distractions. But never really coming to a place of rest. A place of refreshing. A time for your body or your mind or your soul to be restored. And if you can relate to that feeling, then I think God is wanting to get your attention this morning. And for you to begin to carve out space to rest in his presence, to be restored by his spirit. To know that even in the midst of everything unexpected and unplanned for that looks like it's falling apart, he is at work. And he's got a gift for you. You know, the alternative is that at some point, if you don't choose to do it, the unexpected will happen. And either you'll break down because you can't cope anymore. You can't cope with carrying everything on your shoulders. Or something will happen in your circumstances and you will be forced to an unplanned stop. And in that moment, God will say to you, as he had to say to me, are you going to stop now? Are you finally ready to look to me and to rest in me now? And and as I thought about this, I've been really struck again by Psalm 23. You know, it's one of the most famous chapters in the Bible, but it's hit me in a new way. And so I want to take some time to unpack this psalm over the summer. It's going to come up on the screen, so why don't we begin by reading it together and just declaring it together. This is what David writes. He says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. 
Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and mercy and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amazing words, aren't they? And and this morning I just want to look at the first two and a half verses together. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I felt like he'd made me lie down. Didn't have any choice in it. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Sounds good, doesn't it? You know, for God to refresh and renew and restore your soul. I think we could all do with a bit of that today, couldn't we? And now, no one knows for sure, but you know, David wrote this psalm, there's a, and when he wrote it, there's a strong possibility that it was, a t- it was written in the midst of civil war. A civil war that's been caused by his son, Absalom, leading a rebellion. Can you imagine the grief and the heartache and the questions and the wrestling with God that David must have been facing as he has to go into battle against his own son? It's a pretty horrific situation to be in, isn't it? And yet in the midst of the chaos, King David looked up and he writes down this psalm and he says, The Lord God is my shepherd. And I like nothing. I have the Lord caring for me and so I know it's going to be okay. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And the first big idea that we've got to understand if we're going to get to grips with these verses is simply the the fact that it is the Lord, God, who is the shepherd. And by implication, we are sheep. And that's not a compliment. You know, sheep might be soft and cuddly and cute, but they also tend to wander off and they're stubborn. They're easily frightened. Sheep need a shepherd. And without one, they don't survive long. Pretty much everything is a predator of a sheep. And accepting this reality that we are like sheep, that we tend to wander off, that we're stubborn, that we get caught up in doing things our own way and trying to fix things ourselves and thinking we know best, accepting the reality that we can't do it alone and realizing that we need a shepherd is so important if we ever want to know rest and be restored. Because otherwise it is all on our shoulders. And we can't ever rest. And we've got to keep going. And then there's something amazing about knowing that God is the one who is offering to be our shepherd. And that that changes everything. Knowing that we don't have just any shepherd looking after us, but God is the one who we are putting in charge who wants to care for us and provide for us in every season of life. 
You know, whether in the tough times or the, or the good times or wherever we might be at, the good news is that you have a shepherd. You have a shepherd God who wants to care for you and provide for you and who promises to be with you through everything. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And David understood what it was to be a shepherd. He'd, he'd been a shepherd himself. He'd done the job. He'd shepherded sheep in a desert wilderness where there was little food or water and where there were predators that surrounded them. He knew his job was to, to lead the sheep. That they would, without him, they would starve. They would die of thirst. Without him, they would be attacked by predators and they would die. He knew that he could never leave the sheep on their own. And so in the midst of the chaos of civil war and all of the difficulties that he faced, David thinks of God. And he knows that the Lord is his shepherd. Who knows all of the difficulties that he's facing as a sheep. And because of that, he will never ever leave him. And while you might not be in the desert, while you might not be in the midst of a civil war, maybe you can relate to being in a wilderness. Now maybe things are tough for you at the moment. And you feel like the tide of life is going against you. And you're in a wilderness experience. Maybe because of ill health that has struck you or someone you love. Maybe you're lonely and you feel isolated. And the relationships around you, maybe they're falling to bits. And it feels very much like a wilderness time. Let me encourage you. If David can say, the Lord is my shepherd. He is with me in the wilderness. And he will never leave me. Our Father God will never leave you there either. Do you know you were never designed to be a wilderness dweller? The wilderness is not your home. You know, you might be going through a wilderness, you might be going through a tough time. You know, the Bible doesn't say that when you become a Christian you'll get to live in a rose garden and everything will just go exactly the way that you want it to. We do go through troubled times. But we're not people who dwell there. We're not people who live there. We're people who God helps through the wilderness and out the other side. Because we were made, as the psalm ends, to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So whatever the wilderness is in your life right now, you can have confidence because the Lord is your shepherd. The God who created the universe and has all power is also the God who is present with you and will never leave you and is leading you through the wilderness to the quiet waters and the green pastures of his presence. And you know, there's an amazing freedom that we discover when we realize that we are sheep and that God is the shepherd. When we realize that we don't have to be in complete control. Because we've got a shepherd who knows better than we do. And who loves us and is with us. And you know, one of the ways that God wants to care for us and to shepherd us is to to give us rest and to refresh and renew and restore us in every area of our lives. That's what these first verses are about. And so what's God's plan for restoring and refreshing us in life? How does he go about it? Well, As a good shepherd, he knows that sheep can't just keep going on and on forever. That they need to stop and feed and drink if they're going to stay healthy. And as I've said already, in my life I don't always find it easy to stop. 
And by stop, I don't mean just sit down and, and watch TV or, and veg on the sofa and play a game or waste an hour trawling through Facebook. I mean to really stop. To create space. To reflect. To think. Space for God to speak to me. And to wait on him and to receive his spirit and his refreshing. And I don't know what you're like when it comes to having times to stop and rest. You know, I think sometimes I can kid myself that actually I can just keep going and going and going and going. And I think in our culture that's probably fairly normal. And we have to be careful not to fall into that kind of a trap. But you see, David, he had years where he he lived with a sheep. And he understood the rhythms of nature. He understood the way that God designed creation to be. And you know, for most of us in the 21st century, with all of our gadgets and smartphones, we've been creating things to try and break those ways that we've been created so that we can just achieve more and more and more. Everything is quick. Everything is fast and full of hurry. And we've been programmed to fill every moment. And there's a value in society that says that's good. You know, I even find that when I'm walking, my natural tendency is to speed walk. A speed walk because that means that I can leave as late as possible. It means that I get there as quickly as possible. And I can even fill the time with a phone call or two on my way so that even that little bit of walking time isn't wasted. You know, and I believe that God would say to us that we need to slow down. You need to rest. You know, our God is a good shepherd and he knows that we can get weary. And so he, he put a rhythm into creation and into our makeup as people. And we are fools if we ignore it. You know, there is a daily rest and refreshing that he intends for us. No, don't try and, and cram your day so full that there's no margin left. You know, how many of you know the benefit of a good night's sleep? Yeah? How many of you also know the frustration of being unable to sleep? Yeah? I'm not saying this is always the case, but when I'm in that place, so often that is experience is because rest is so alien to my mind that it doesn't know how to switch off. I've not had a moment's margin in the day, so when my head hits the pillow, I've got all of that processing to do, and my mind doesn't know how to stop, doesn't know how to slow down, doesn't know how to switch off. And it just races on and on. And we need daily rest. And then there's weekly rhythms that God teaches us with the Sabbath. In Genesis, we read that God worked and created the world in six days, but on the seventh day, he rested. And why do you think he rested? Was he tired? No, he rested because he wanted to build into creation and model to us as those who are made in his image that there is a time to work and to achieve and to be productive, but there's also a time to stop. There's a time to cease. There's a time to rest. There is something about taking a 24-hour period once a week and saying, for this 24 hours, I'm going to intentionally say, there's all these different things that I could be doing, all these different ways that I could be filling it, but God, you're in charge. I trust you, and so I'm going to rest. 
And then there are annual rhythms. You know, as we look through the Bible, we see that there are times for feasts and festivals, times to remember God and to stop and just celebrate together what it is that he's done all throughout the year. You know, there are times of refreshment built into the year, much like we book in our holidays and our times away. So how are you doing on daily, weekly, and annual rest? How are you doing at following God's promptings to be physically refreshed? Here's something that I've found, though, and I imagine you've experienced it too from conversations I've had with people over the years. You know, there are times when I have carved out space to rest. Times when I have, you know, guarded my day off with all my life and and I've gone halfway on a holiday or whatever it is, and yet at the end of it, I still don't feel refreshed. In fact, there have been times when I've come back from a holiday and I feel like I need to have a holiday from my holiday. You know, why do you think that is? Why do you think it is that so often within a day or two of, of being back again, we're there saying, I'm just as exhausted as I was before? You know, sticking with what we can learn from sheep and what David writes here in Psalm 23, here's my thinking. You see, when sheep are tired and weary and thirsty and in need of being refreshed, and then they see a water source that's available, they just go for it. And they lap it up. And as the shepherd is leading them to fresh water, what happens is they pass dirty, muddy pools. And they'll go to drink from it. It's a water source. So they dash towards it and they lap it up. And the problem is that not only is the water filthy and churned up and muddy because of the sheep who've who've trodden over it before, but actually it's polluted with manure and urine because of the sheep who've gone before. And so while they might be thirsty and in need of refreshing and they see this water and they go and drink from it, what happens is that as they drink from it, the sheep will get sick. And they'll grow more dehydrated. And in the worst case scenarios, they'll die. And so the shepherd has to use his crook to pull the sheep away from the dirty pools and to keep them going towards the fresh water. And I think we can be pretty similar to sheep in this. When we're tired and weary and in need of something to refresh us, we are at our most vulnerable. And so we can look to whatever appears to be easily available and on offer to us. The things that we repeatedly get told by society will help us feel better and we can run to them and lap them up. You know, in the best case scenarios, we look to things that might benefit us physically or emotionally like exercise or going for a spa day or fun times with friends or a holiday with family. But often we'll look to things that just simply distract us. Things like entertainment, films, TV, music, video games, social media. So many things that bring us back to a screen again and again. You know, I know I catch myself so often. My phone's in my bag at the minute, so I can't pull it out. But I catch myself so often. I've got a spare moment. I've got to fill it. I can't have a spare moment left with my thoughts, so out comes the phone. And I've got to check the news or check the Facebook or check whatever's going on. And there's nothing there for me to look at. I simply don't want to be left alone. With a space, with a spare moment, with time to actually think. Maybe you don't like technology and that's not it for you. 
and it's novels or it's shopping. In some way or another, you just distract yourself for a little while. And then the worst case scenario is where we look to things to refresh us, and they're things which don't just distract us, but in reality, they cause a greater void within us and destruction in our lives. You know, we escape the weariness in drink or in drugs or in looking for a new kind of sexual relationship or a person who's going to make us feel better or something similar. You know, in one way or another, in our moment of weariness, in our moment of vulnerability, we look to whatever pool is most convenient. The one that's easily available. And we seem blind to the fact that it's a dirty, muddy, polluted water that's in there. And so as we lap it up and try and satisfy our thirst, we wonder why at the end of it we're left feeling just as empty as we were before. And then we get to the end of the day, off that we've had and the space that we've had or the holiday that we've been on, and we don't feel any better. And there is still a weariness that's there. Maybe we even feel worse. And the reason is that as much as we are physical and emotional beings and we can do things that might help to refresh us in those areas, we are also spiritual beings. And so we can go on holiday and we can enjoy things in life, but still face an inner emptiness and a weariness and be in need of a refreshing because God never designed us to do life alone. He never designed us to be able to be satisfied in those kind of things on their own. At the heart of real life, at the heart of a life of refreshing, which is restored and which is good, is having a spiritual relationship with God as our shepherd, as our heavenly father who we trust. Is living life trusting him from that place of being a sheep. Knowing that he's our shepherd so we can stop trying to be in control. We can stop striving to make sure we don't waste a moment. We can let go of our wants and the things that we feel we deserve and we can, the things that we're striving to achieve and we can know rest. We can simply stop and wait on God and receive from God trusting that he is our good shepherd who makes us lie down in green pastures and leads us beside quiet waters who restores our soul so that with him we lack nothing. I think we all need that. And so I want to encourage you, particularly as we head into the summer and the holiday season, but also in your weekly and your daily rhythms, to build in times to stop. And do you know what? Sometimes that's painful. Sometimes it's uncomfortable and it's awkward and it's the last thing that we want to do and there's this pressure of all these other things and we don't know how to do it because we've not done it for so long. But I want to encourage you to break through that pain barrier to carve out a space and to stop. To rest. And in that time when you first start resting and you don't know what to do, just bring to mind and say to yourself in your mind or to speak it out loud, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. 
He restores. He refreshes. He renews my soul. And just let God begin to minister to you through that. To speak to you through that. Take time to to feed on his word. To allow that truth to nourish you. Now it can be so easy when we come to God's word to not take it in because like everything else we're in such a hurry. And one of the things that God has been teaching me over the number of months or so now is that less is more. To focus on a particular passage or verse and to think about it and take time to allow God to speak to you. To allow the word to change your life rather than just inform your mind. I've also found on a personal note, and maybe this will help some of you, uh, you know, for, for years I tried to migrate away from using paper because I wanted to make everything efficient and um, you know, saves me having lots of books I've got to carry around and to, to try and get everything onto a tablet or onto a phone. And so I, I spent my quiet times and I'd have my, my Bible readings and things on the phone, but you know what? I struggled because always a flick away was a distraction. And so I've gone back to good old-fashioned paper. And it has done me so much good. It has helped me to slow down and to focus on God in my times with him. So maybe that will help one or two of you. Alongside feeding on God's word, I want to encourage you to drink in his presence. Jesus says in John 7 verse 37, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And when he says this, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only real source of fresh, restoring water. And we need to be renewed by him daily. And if we go a few hours physically without drinking, then we start to feel weak and I certainly start to get grumpy. You know, and if we go three or four days without a drink, potentially we'll die. And in the same way, it is so important that we don't neglect drinking from the presence of God on a daily basis. Not just taking time in prayer to talk to God and to bring things to him and to ask him for things, but also simply just to rest in him and to allow him to meet with us and to minister to us and to refresh us, to restore our souls. And the Christian life is not about being religious, but it is about entering into a loving relationship with your Heavenly Father who knows what you need best. It is about saying, I'm a sheep. And you're my shepherd. And so I trust you. I trust that you're the good shepherd. And so I'm going to follow your leading. And I'm going to rest in you. Knowing that as I do, you will lead me to places of refreshing and restoration. And that I will lack nothing. Now wherever you are at in your spiritual journey today... You know, the good news is that God is totally committed to being your shepherd. And he's simply inviting you to respond and be his sheep. Maybe for you that's just a reminder to keep going as you are. To keep making the priorities that you are and to keep having that space and trusting him and and doing what you're doing. Maybe though you feel a little more like a sheep who's gone astray and wandered off a bit and this is him getting the crook round your neck and yanking you back in. And this is your chance to respond and to draw close back to him as you hear his voice or you feel that that pull on your heart. 
Now, wherever you're at, let me encourage you that the changes that God may be prompting you to make are all for your good, to restore your soul, to bring you life. And as we read later in the psalm, for his name's sake and for his glory. So I'm going to ask the band if they wouldn't mind coming, coming back up and, and, and leading us in a song in a second. You know, but if you feel today that, that God is speaking to you and prompting you to make changes, maybe to your daily rhythm and your time with him, and to kind of just carve out bits of space. Maybe you're to your weekly rhythm and the Sabbath. Or if you feel God is speaking to you about coming back to him as, as the shepherd. And making the decision to trust him and say, God, I don't understand everything that's going on. I don't like everything that's going on. But I'm going to trust that you are going to lead me through the wilderness. So that I can dwell in your presence and in your house. I'm going to trust that you have what I need and you have what's best for me. And that in the midst of the unexpected, in the midst of the painful, there is a gift that you have for me. You know, if God is stirring your heart, then what's happening is he's giving you a vision and a sense of what what he has for you. A sense of what could be. And as he does that, he puts the ball in your court. And it's then up to you to make a decision to say, yes. I will follow your leading. I will follow your prompting. Ultimately, it's a decision to say, I will surrender. I will surrender to you. So what I want to ask you to do as the band come up is a little bit different. What I'm going to ask you to do, we're going to sing and we're going to praise our good shepherd. And we're going to thank him for leading us. But if you want to make a decision today to respond to God, then as I say, I really believe that ultimately that the decision to be a sheep is a decision to surrender. And so I want to encourage you at some time or other within this just to to kneel or to bow. Either where you are or to go out into the aisle or to come to the front. But wherever you are, maybe go to the back. But wherever you are, just to kneel or to bow. As your way of saying to God, I respond to you. I say yes to you. I surrender to you. I'm just a sheep. But you're my shepherd. You're in charge. And I will follow your voice. I will trust you knowing that you will lead me to still waters and you will restore my soul.